We're back in the war room to decide who won this week's Wednesday Night War between AEW Dynamite and NXT. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, we had two very good matches to start off the show. We had FTR retaining their AEW Tag Team Championships against the Best Friends. And on NXT, Undisputed Era became the number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Championships in a match against Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Now, last week, I said that NXT had a good match, but the finish kind of ruined it. This week, AEW Dynamite had the good match, but their finish kind of ruined it. Yeah, I got to agree. And I was actually going to jump in there and say that, you know, I, I, I thought that the match... Uh, between the best friends and FTR started out very good. And a majority of the match I found to be very good and enjoyable. And then the towards the tail end of it, I mean, I think they just got in their own way again, like we talk about numerous times here on the show. It just got really kind of overbooked, in my opinion. I thought that best friends, for as much as people sometimes will criticize them, I definitely think they're starting to prove some of their doubters wrong. Yeah, um, I think that this could have been one of their better matches. I mean, I'm talking about just professional wrestling match not necessarily comparing it to their street fight which was obviously very enjoyable for most people um but i I really thought this was turning out to be a really good match and then we got the shenanigans which i'm sure we'll get into uh with the whole arcade game getting uh broken and and all that and then you had the championship belt that got brought into the ring and that played a part in the ending i think tully blanchard got involved and you know those things are fine in small doses, but when you try to do multiple of those things in one match, it kind of takes away from the match. In my opinion, you know, it started out good and then they, they, they overbooked it. In my opinion, um, match on NXT, I thought was very good. I think that Oni Lorcan and Birch are severely underrated, Mm -hmm. maybe underappreciated. They are, they are a very good tag team. I love the way they work, especially, uh, Lorcan. He is just, he's a beast in there and he is just about as stiff as you're going to get. Um, that, that match to me was a very good, solid match with no hiccups or any downsides at all. Yeah. I mean, it was very stiff, that tag team match, very fast pace and very physical. I think everything that people want in a tag team match today, that match had, I think now on AEW side, you brought, you brought up the finishes. So Trent Beretta gets, you know, speared through a arcade cabinet or he tried to do the spare through the arcade cabinet misses and goes through it so kip sabian sends penelope ford backstage in the process of that we have this really weird finish where what was it dax harwood hit chuck taylor with the belt and in the process rick knox is ducking behind behind them so he misses it very awkward finish and then miro comes out beats up on the best friends which leads to their squash match and promo calling out the best friends for breaking their arcade cabinet. Oh, I, I believe the arcade cabinet was referred to as the Allen. I the believe Allen. that's the name of it. Yes, yes I believe Allen. that's what I, That must have gone over my head because I guess I didn't tune into BTE this week. So maybe if I start watching that, I'll know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. I, I didn't know what Allen was, but apparently they broke Allen and now the good friends, not even the best friends, the good friends, are uh yeah Miro's enemies right now okay so let me get into this a little bit first of all first thing i want to say about this uh we talked about this on the show a couple of times now Miro has come over from wwe for for a number of reasons one of them creative re- uh purposes you know he, he he gets the opportunity to really kind of be himself hopefully to become this guy that is supposed to be super over that you know wwe dropped the ball on and really is supposed to live up to his potential now 
to this point, he really hasn't done a whole lot. I think that the, the match itself was, was okay. You know, it was a squash match. It did what it was supposed to do. It highlighted him. Now, look, I understand Rusev, Miro, whatever you want to call him, was severely underutilized and misused in WWE. I'm not so sure this is the right direction for him. Okay, now he's going to get into a feud, his first feud here that, well, I guess it would be his first feud. Yep. Is going to be revolved around a video game. The guy that rode in on a tank to face John Cena at WrestleMania for the U.S. Championship in front of, I don't know, upwards of 90,000 people. Not that many, but close. It was about like 75,000. Yeah, I don't know. It probably sold out a stadium wherever the hell it it was. Yes, it was. Um. You know, and, and people might get upset about this, but you know what? Let's be honest here. This guy's about to have a feud over a fucking video game. Let's that get over true. this a bit. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I can quote him here. Skip Sabian. Skip Sabian. Uh, you've gone too far. You've destroyed my most prized possession. Alan meant everything to me. Penelope Ford probably feels like a piece of shit because apparently she <laughs> don't mean nothing to him. Um, the one man who actually saved this whole thing, if you can save it, can't wait to tune in to see what happens with a Sega next week. <laughs> he referred to them as the good friends. I wrote in my notes here. That was funny. Um, and then he said, you break my shit. Game over. Yep. Okay. So Miro is a charismatic guy. I guess he saved the segment. Am I looking forward to this, this uh, feud over the Allen or the video game or the fucking hopscotch? No, probably not. Right. Silly, childish, whatever. Oh. People are going to say I'm Jim Cornette Jr. for it, but too bad. Sorry about your video game. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's not the best first feud for Miro, but I thought the squash match made him look a little bit more dominant. So it wasn't bad in that regard, but let's move on to the next segment that happened on AEW Dynamite, and that is MJF with his major announcement. He calls out the inner circle. Sammy Guevara has his jacket, which is five yes. sizes too big. MJF says he wants to join the inner circle, but there's some backlash from Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Maybe this is the wedge that breaks up the inner circle. Do you see MJF joining the inner circle next week? I don't see him joining the inner circle. I think that eventually one way or another, this is going to end up being where some members of the inner circle leave the inner circle to go join whatever faction MJF is going to create. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to what he originally said, he said that he was going to try to join some type of faction because he said that's the only way you can really get ahead in AEW. That was right. going back about three weeks ago, I think. So segment I saw segment itself I thought was was good. I thought that there was a lot of little subtle things that MJF was doing to poke fun at Chris Jericho without actually coming out and poking fun at Chris Jericho. So we talked about his hair. One yep. of the things that people are critical about is, you know, Jericho's older now. He's not as, as, as he doesn't have the lion heart locks that he once had. Right. Neither do I. So whatever, I can say it. <laughs> uh, he talked about his body and then he referenced his, his pipes and his arms and his biceps. And really, I think he was trying to point out that a lot of people talk about uh, the, the fact that people body shame Chris Jericho because he's a little heavier now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so li- little things like that, like the things he would say, he would mock the tonality and, and the way that Chris Jericho pronounces certain words and how he carries himself through certain promos. So I-, I-, I thought it was good. I thought it was effective. It wasn't necessarily the big shocking announcement that I think most people are anticipating, but these two guys are two of the best on the mic right now. And I, I- it-, it entertained me. I wrote here, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to like this because I think they're trying to parody what professional wrestlers would actually say in a meaningful segment. Um, but I, it, how could you not like it? It was good. It was good, but I was also surprised in this whole segment because I was expecting MJF to call out Jericho for a match at full gear. And instead it was, he's joining the inner circle. I know there was the back and forth. Do you want to join the inner circle? Do you want me in the inner circle? So I know that was there, but this just was a little surprising to me. But at the same time, I don't mind it. I think this was actually a good move. And I think that at the end of the day, it's going to get people thinking, all right, what happens next week at the La Dinner Debonair or whatever the hell it's called. So I'm excited to see what comes up next for these two. And I, I think eventually... I mean, eventually we're going to get MJF versus Jericho. You know, try milking it as best as you can. And we know AEW does a lot better long-term booking than WWE does right now. But let's move on to the next match that was on AEW Dynamite, Ralph. And that is for the TNT Championship. Orange Cassidy challenging Cody. It went to the time limit draw. And I'm going to admit, Ralph, I've been the defender of this podcast of Orange Cassidy. I've said, you know, I've tried to say that he's over. I think he's a ratings draw. He has good matches, whatnot. I've been more of the pro Cassidy than you are the con Cassidy. We could agree on that, right? I'm the realist. You're the optimistic one. Sure. Whatever you want to call it. I've been defending Cassidy. However, I have pried a hole in the AEW bubble stratosphere and crawled out and I can see the world for what it truly is. And it does not involve Orange Cassidy as a draw. Well, a lot of people enjoyed this match. Some people, you know, I I saw uh, Dave LaGreca and Bubba Ray Dudley on Busted Open Radio really talking about how Orange Cassidy is over with the crowd. I mean, for the fact that the guy freaking got a pop out of a collar and elbow tie up. That's got to say something, but regardless, this match to me did not really kick into gear until the 19 minute mark. I know it's gotten mixed reviews from what I've seen on social media. There's people that absolutely love this match, but to me, I think it was a little underwhelming. Yeah. You know, I, and and this was kind of the tale of the night for some of the matches here. I, I felt like some parts of the matches I really liked. And then for whatever reason, there were certain parts of most of the matches throughout the night on AEW, at least that I, I really didn't like at all. Um, look, Orange Cassidy is what he is. If you like Orange Cassidy, you probably like this match. If you don't like Orange Cassidy, you probably didn't enjoy this match. Um, I, I, I think that this match for what it's worth, as soon as they got back into the ring after the dark order got kicked out from ringside, that's when the match started to pick up for me. I actually didn't think it was a bad match. I thought it was okay. I, I didn't think it was great. I don't know why they announced the, the, the immediate rematch or the rematch in two weeks. I don't know why they would do that without any type of, you know, drama or something to build it up. I mean, to me, this is a missed opportunity again with orange Cassidy one, because, Again, I touch on this all the time. He beat Chris Jericho and they haven't done anything with him yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, last night was a step in the right direction because a draw with Cody is still impressive. That's done quite a bit for, for Darby Allen and his career, I think. I mean, it's not as bad as taking a loss here. Right. But why not use this? Why not have Orange Cassidy come out and show the same fire that he showed in that segment with Chris Jericho and have him come out and tell Cody, like, you didn't beat me. You owe me a rematch. I, you never pinned me. You didn't submit me. And I, I, I was going to beat you, you know, something like that where people can get behind it to build up the drama. And it was just kind of like when it honestly, when it popped up on the screen and it said that they were going to rematch each other in two weeks, 
I thought it was some type of uh, miscommunication or the, an accident. Like I, I didn't think it was a real graphic. I thought they did it for this week by accident, but I guess they really are going to face each other in two weeks without any type of build or drama or anything like that. Right. And then, of course, at full gear, Darby Allen is going to be challenging whoever the champion <laughs> is at, at uh, full gear, which is a little puzzling because Cody's got this thing with the Dark Order still and Brody Lee. So what happens to Brody Lee in this whole thing? Right. And I don't know. I don't know if he has something dealing with the, the pandemic, if he has tested positive or he's quarantining or whatever the case may be, if there's something that we, we don't know. But it, it seems rather odd that Brody Lee is not in this championship picture still. Yeah. And you bring up the Dark Order. So, you know, I, this was kind of a common thing for some of the matches last night. I mean, just talking about being a lot going on and, and just kind of overbooking them, whether it was the arcade or hard K game or the Allen or shocking. Hold on. I got my own Allen. Look at that. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was just a lot going on there. I mean, you had, you had the, the, the video game, you had the dark order get involved. You had the championship be brought in. You had just, just too much. Like keep it simple. Yep. The matches you guys can have are good. You've proven it week after week that you guys can put on good matches when you want to. You could further storylines and progress storylines without doing things like this. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's true. But I mean, overall, the match, like I said, a little underwhelming. I did love the finish. I did like how. Yes. I that it was fine. Once, once it hit that final minute, Orange Cassie's like, oh, crap, I got to get this in. And he had a sense of urgency. And I did like. There was some storytelling with this, with Orange Cassidy's character really ticking off Cody and his like traditional approach to things, where as Orange Cassidy's being that like nonchalant. So there was a kind of a rope dope thing. I just felt like it was 15 minutes fluff, five minutes finally getting some action. That's that's just what I think. I know there's people going to disagree with me in the comment section. Did but... you did you ever actually think that Orange Cassidy was going to beat Cody? No, 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 but I didn't think it was going to be a time limit draw either. But the other thing too, with the time limit draw is does, how does, what does this mean? Does the time limit draw to Cassidy with Cassidy? What does that mean for a guy like Lance Archer or Brody Lee or Scorpio sky or Warhorse or anybody (laughs) else that has defended for the AEW TNT championship? Does that make them? You know, is Orange Cassidy here and all those other guys are here? It's one of the many mysteries of the booking with it, with Orange Cassidy, you know, and, right. that, and that's the thing. Like I keep saying and people always say, oh, you don't like Orange Cassidy. It's not that I don't like him. And it's not like I don't think he's a, a, a good wrestler. I always said I thought he was a good wrestler in the ring. I'm just puzzled by where AEW sees him in the way they book him. Is he a right. main event or is he not? You had to right. beat Chris Jericho twice. Chris Jericho looked like a floating device in a vat of fucking tang. For what reason? To get him a TNT championship would be the only person to challenge for it on three different occasions so far in AEW. But let's move back to NXT really quick here. I thought there was a very solid match here, and that was Johnny Gargano versus Austin Theory. Some may argue this was Austin Theory's best match since going back to NXT. I thought it was a very, very good match. A lot of you know shine from Austin Theory. Again, though, in a losing effort. This guy needs to get a win. I, I understand it's not going to be against Johnny Gargano, but hopefully within the next next month, this kid could pick up a win. 
Well, yeah, and you know, they even kind of touched on that a little bit. And they they mentioned that the people he's losing to, you know, it's not like he's losing to nobodies. He's he's losing to some of the top guys in NXT right now. Right. So even though they're not wins and it doesn't look good for him, you know, it I guess it's it could it could be worse, I guess you could say. It could um, he's definitely talented. The match itself I thought was very good, a lot stiffer than I thought it was gonna be. Um, Johnny Gargano with some of the, the chops he was giving him at the beginning of that match. Those were, those were brutal. So, mm-hmm. um, those two, I would like to see them at some type of, uh, match down the line, maybe at a takeover when Austin theory has been built up a little bit better. I agree. And obviously with Johnny Gargano, again, going for the North American championship, maybe Gargano wins the title. And then after theory racks up a couple wins, he becomes a number one contender for the North American championship in due time. Yeah. But speaking of number one contenders, we have, the full bracket of the tournament, and then also the fatal four-way that will decide the number one contender for the tag team championship. So we talked about the first six that were announced last week. The final two that were announced this week are Pentagon and Joey Janela. So that fills out the bracket. Ray Phoenix versus Pentagon. Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. Then you have Wardlow versus Jungle Boy and Hangman Page versus Colt Cabana. Obviously, Jim Ross pointing out Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are on opposite sides of the bracket. So we know where this is going. Now, for the Fatal 4-Way, they do a bingo draw with all the tag teams in the mix. And it's Butcher and Blade. It's Private Party, the Young Bucks, and Silver and Reynolds. Two of those four are not even ranked. It's a fatal four-way. You show top five rankings, top five best teams. Obviously, the number one contenders lost earlier in the night. So why don't you just put two through five in the fatal four-way? Well, I, I, I think they're actually doing themselves a disservice. Like you said, they do have a ranking system for this exact type of thing, I would think. And to, to introduce like the... The, 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 the bingo thing and the drawing of the names. Look, I mean, the thing, honestly, the thing I'm worried about more, more so than anything is just that we're going to get another four-way tag match. I think what we know what to expect out of that. Um, I literally wrote on here uh, on my notes, four-way tag match, question mark, oh, dear God. <laughs> WTF, why, are you having, why do you have a ranking system? I wrote all the guys now down, all their names down. Yeah, I... We know what this is going to be. Come on. We've seen this how many times now with the four-way, the three-way. Right. How many and, times are the Butcher and the Blade? I, I guarantee you one of the Butcher and the, either the Butcher or the Blade take the pin here. Guarantee no, you. They, jo- no, they, job be- out to the, they job out to the Young Bucks more than anybody in AEW. No, I, I think it's going to be either Silver or Reynolds. It's got to be oh. one of them. It's got to be one of them. I guess it won't, be, can, it won't I, be I'm private sure. party. It won't be private party taking that pin. And it won't be the Young Bucks because they're going to win the match. You would I, think. I think you so. would think. But I don't know why Santana and Ortiz are not in here. They're ranked fifth. And Natural Nightmares are ranked third. So mm. you can even have them be the team that takes the pin. And people wouldn't be like, oh, my God, they're burying the Natural Nightmares. Like, come on. I, I think it's just missed opportunity, making it a little bit more convoluted than it needs to be. But I... We all know where it's going anyway, so maybe protect Santana and Ortiz and Natural Nightmares from losing a match that they everyone knows they're going to lose anyway. So throw Piper Party in there. Throw Alex uh, Reynolds and Silver in there to showcase them a little bit. 
in a losing effort. Maybe that's the yeah. But see, I I disagree with that because the way you elevate your tag team division or wrestlers just in general is by having them compete against the very best. Right. You know, you highlighting the best guys that you have. I mean, and I'm not saying that Silver or Reynolds or any of those guys are are bad professional wrestlers. It's just like they haven't been featured or made to feel important. Right. Silver and Reynolds are over with it with a very small subset of the fan base that watches BTE. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right. A lot of people don't know who they are. True. Um, private party. It, it's just, I don't know. I, I, we will see what will happen, but I have seen more than enough four-way tag matches in AEW or three-way tag matches or whatever. I, I think I know what I'm going to expect out of this, but we'll right. see. All right. So one of the matches I was really highly anticipating last night was the women's championship match between Akaru Shida and Big Swole. And on NXT, there was a match that wasn't even announced until, I believe, the night before. It was Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae, number one contender for the Women's Championship. Yeah. This here is a great indication of where the women's divisions are for both brands. Akaru Shida, I've said numerous times, has been the best women's wrestler on the roster for AEW. Night in and night out, she usually has a very good match, probably one of the best matches in the women's division. When you look at all their matches, she's probably in most of, if not all the top 10 matches in the women's division. No, num- number five PWI women ranking, I believe. Six. She was six. number six. Yep. All, the top five were all WWE women. but Rightfully uh, so. Right. So now, Shotzi Blackheart and Candice LeRae, like I keep every week, with every week that passes by, I'm getting more and more impressed by Shotzi Blackheart. She could really be the face of the women's division in NXT and w- would make a huge transition in WWE, and I think even Vince McMahon could not mess that up, I think. She is a star in the making, I believe. She's good in the ring. She's got a unique character. She's going to be hosting Halloween Havoc. I'm excited for this. And and the only thing I'm upset about, Candice won the match. It should have been Shotzi, in my opinion. Yeah, it does stink, but, you know, I I think what they're trying to do there is they're not ready to take the title off Io Shirai. Uh, I don't know if they're going to build towards another match with real Ripley or if there's going to be somebody else who steps into that role. I know Tony, Tony storm is obviously back. We know that Ember moon is back as well. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with the title picture. But I agree. I was certainly disappointed that Shotzi Blackheart did not win this match. I was also disappointed in her, her uh, promo that closed the night. I did not think that was very good. So hopefully she can rebound on that. But um as far as Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart, their match was awesome. This was actually my favorite match of the night. Um, and I, I say it all the time. NXT continues to impress me with their women's division. Week in, week out, I know that I can watch NXT and get a good quality match out of any of the women that are performing. So I, I, thought, it, I thought that match was great. I agree. Peter and Big Swole, that was a decent match. But, you know, when you compare the two, there's really no comparison. Sheeta's very good. There was a couple of weird spots and botches again. And they were we'll on Sheeta. It's going to take time. It, it's weird because it, they were Sheeta. It looked like that were the botches there. I think yeah. she she completely whiffed on the knee towards the finish. And there was a spot where they bumped shoulders, but I think only Swole was supposed to fall, but then Sheeta <laughs> fell and then she missed the kip up. Yeah, so that was bad. It, it, she Swole did. messed up in one spot. I think they were trying to do a suplex spot and then she did like the... Uh, she flipped over Sheeta and she was going to power bomb him, but she, she fell, I think. I, I so, yeah. You know. 
I mean, like I, like I said, like the women's divisions are one's here, one's here, like co- two completely different places right now. Yeah. But let's head to the main events, Ralph. AEW Championship, no disqualification, Lance Archer against John Moxley with Eddie Kingston on commentary. Over on NXT, it is Damian Priest against Dexter Loomis for the North American Championship. You know what? The main event for AEW Dynamite, I thought was the match of the night. I really can't find anything wrong with this match. I thought it was very good, very stiff, very physical, delivered, especially with the added stipulation of no disqualification. I think it was actually even better than their match at Wrestle Kingdom, the Texas Death Match uh, for the IWGP United States Championship. Thought it was much better than that. The main event on NXT, I thought was was good as well. I think Dexter Loomis showed a side to him that we haven't seen yet, and that is a selling side. I think he sold his ankle injury very well, especially on the ankle lock where he yelled, uh, he screamed an F-bomb that got censored. I thought that was great selling. Might have not used the F-bomb, but hey, that's why we have censors in television. So I thought it worked. Cameron Grimes coming in to um to interfere with Dexter Loomis for the win for Damian Priest as he retains. And then we find out that Gargano will be facing Priest. LeRae will be facing EO for their respected championships. Shotzi Blackheart will be doing spin the wheel, make the deal on their stipulations for those matches. Something that goes back to Halloween Havoc 1992, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Sting. And it's funny because I was just watching the WWE Network over this weekend, Ralph. And Saturday night, they air old episodes of WCW Saturday night. The episode with the spin the wheel, make a deal was the episode that was on. Mm -hmm. So very, maybe they knew. They're like, all right, let's put this episode on so that people know. Maybe people are paying attention over there at WWE. It was a sign of things to come. I thought I thought that both the matches were very good. I think that Dexter Loomis certainly showed a more athletic side to himself. I mean, every now and then he does do something athletic during a match, but I think this was really a good match for him where he was able to highlight a lot of his, his athleticism. He did that one spot where he did the kip up into the leg drop. I thought that was impressive. He broke out a senton again. Um, so I, I thought that that match was very good. Damian Priest is week in and week out consistent and has consistently good matches on a weekly basis. Um, as far as Moxley and uh, the Murder Hawk monster there are concerned, I thought their match was also very good. I thought that this lived up to the expectation. I did not think this was going to be a, a technical back and forth hip toss arm drag type thing. I knew we were going to get tables. I knew we were going to get some type of... Uh, violence involved with this because that's pretty much what moxley does and that's who lance archer is so and then we of course we got the storyline progression with eddie kingston who was never eliminated he never tapped out he's never been pinned it's as if he's never lost a match except to cody so um interested to see where that goes especially right now where eddie kingston just you know ever since he's been signed whenever he's in the ring whether it's a match or on the mic or on commentary takes advantage of the time that he's given and that's something you don't see a lot professional wrestling you know you get guys who are green they get some airtime they follow the script whether that's enforced or not because you're working for wwe i mean i guess another example of that really quick would be ricochet if you mm-hmm. go back and watch raw when he had that spot with the eddie guerrero where he, he 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 made it seem like he got hit with the chair it was a quick three second thing but that little faint that he did 
that got shared all over social media. So guys that are able to go out there and take advantage of the time that they're given, uh, that's what Eddie Kingston is good at. And uh, I, I thought that both matches were very good. I agree. I agree. And Eddie, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, there was a promo that Eddie Kingston cut after uh, AEW Dynamite went off the air. That was very, very good. Hopefully I can find it so I can retweet it on our Twitter page at SCPB podcast, but try to find it because it was a very good promo. Just wish it was on TV because it was that good. He's, he's so good on the mic. And I mean, when you think about the AEW championship picture, who is going to be the number one contender? Because everyone that's in the top five seems to be preoccupied with something. Lance Archer just lost the match uh, against Moxley. So Eddie Kingston, I think is next up and in a rematch. And I think that's going to end up being an I quit match at full gear. That's probably a good, good assessment. I would think that makes sense. All right. So before we decide which show was better this week, let's go over the ratings and AEW dynamite actually went slightly down in the 18 to 49 demographic going from a 0.31 to a 0.30 this week. NXT went up from a 0.16 to a 0.17. However, They did not make the top 50, so we do not know their 50-plus demo rating again, second week in a row. AEW Dynamite got a huge bump in the 50-plus demo. They had a .26 last week. This week, .35, and that helped with their total viewership of 826,000 total viewers, where NXT got 651,000 total viewers. Both are up from last week. So just to reiterate, folks, the 50-plus demo skews the total viewership. But I digress. Overall, uh, this was the anniversary show for AEW Dynamite, Ralph. I think the bar was set really, really, really high, whereas NXT, they treat it as just like another episode, so their bar was really, really, really low. And quite honestly, NXT jumped over their bar. AEW Dynamite walked under their bar, and I think NXT was actually the better show this week. Yeah, I agree. I thought that the in-ring stuff that we got from the guys and girls on NXT was definitely uh, just better, uh, more solid, less botches, uh, told better stories. I, I probably the segment of the night was the Jericho and MJF segment, and usually I side with whoever has the lasting segment where you got you know you're you're like okay, I want to go back and watch next week because of that. But uh, I. I honestly thought that NXT was very good. Every single match I thought delivered or over delivered. So NXT, in my opinion, was a better show this week. Yes, it was. So let us know in the comments which show you thought was better. And don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SDPB Podcast. For news, reviews, and conversations on all things pro wrestling, subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.